Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox So, guys, there's some music news, actually, today, of all days. Two big stories that uh, Jeff Beck and Lisa Marie Presley passed away. And oh, this being she a, did, huh? Yeah, huh. and this being a rock and yeah. roll podcast, you got to mention both of them. We'll, we'll start with Jeff Beck. When, John, we have it, whenever someone in rock history passes, we'll just, you know, we're not trying to be the obituary. Yeah, we're, we're just the end what, all what, what is your experience with Jeff Beck, Neil? I know we've kind of touched on this before, but let's let's reiterate since he passed away at seventy eight yes, today. Yes, yes. My experience with Jeff Beck is tangential at best. I quickly put him in the sort of rip off Keith's mullet club, okay, and just wow. thought of him as one of the guys with the really bad hairdo for a long time <laughs> that I didn't want to look at, but. Insofar as I don't want to uh, speak ill of the dead, I do greatly respect his... um, I would say he's very innovative in the sense of putting the guitar player as the star Mm -hmm. of a rock band. He made a point of it being, look, this is instrumental music and it's... Let's listen to the guitar. Almost made it more of a jazz type thing for rock and roll, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I, I probably know or know more of his stuff via the Yardbirds, I think, from like that era of him. Although I did listen to some of his stuff today. I listened to uh, Beck Ola, which is produced by the same guy who produced the song we're going to talk about tonight, uh, Mickey Most. But, and it's, it's good. Like, but it's like when Rod Stewart's singing on it, he sounds great. And mm-hmm. his guitar sounds great. Mm-hmm. It really, with the Yardbirds and, you know, everything he's doing. I don't really get into, like, his rock trio guitar-centered stuff that much. I, don't, I really have no experience with that, but... Yeah, I still, as a guitar player, like, I couldn't name one good, like, oh, yeah, you gotta listen to this. There's, like... And I've been reminded many times. I mean, we always have the Jeff Beck conversation. I'm like, yeah, really I mean, when I do listen, I dig it, but... I've never been like a, a huge Beckhead. I think it sums it up best when my wife was like, who's Jeff Beck? And my answer's like, um, let me see. Who is Jeff Beck? <laughs> uh, he's a guitarist. guitarist. Um, but to remain so relevant without any hits for all these years, like he's always brought up, always talked about, and always respected. That's He must have been a hell of a hard worker. Actually, musically, if I did have to bring something up, when we did A Day in the Life um, – I found an instrumental version of that he did where he sings the melody, the vocal melody with his guitar. That was really nice. Uh, it was that. Nice. When I watched that, I was kind of like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good. and that's, that's another thing. I mean, if you're just held up by your peers to a certain level of respect and those peers are people that you, and all of those peers are people you respect, there must be something there. Right? I did read that. Um, it would have been an alternate path, but 
Nick Mason said um, after Sid Barrett died, they wanted to ask Jeff Beck to be the lead guitarist, but they didn't have ah, the balls. That's a, <laughs> that would have been a sliding doors situation. Yeah. Wow. That would have been. <laughs> he probably would have been good. I don't. I, God, it's tough to beat Gilmore, though. And so, uh, rest in peace, Jeff Beck, and all he contributed to the form of rock and roll and music in general. Uh, the Lisa Marie thing that kind of happened today, I really just saw that like an hour ago. I, she's Elvis's daughter. That mm-hmm. must have been a wild, wild world to grow up Do you know how she died? Uh, cardiac arrest. Wow, at what, maybe 60 years old? Yeah, probably yeah. around. Yeah. She would have been born. No, actually, no, she would have been born in the 70s. Like, she mm-hmm. would have been born early 70s. Yeah. She's probably... 50, 54, 50 yeah. to 55, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wild. So the, the lighter, funnier Elvis news is the um, the shit that that guy Austin Butler's getting for never changing his voice <laughs> after the movie. <laughs> Dude, we watched the Golden Globes the other night when he walked up to it and said, wow, man, thank you. I yeah, just want to say. God, it's so, yeah, I, I, can't, like, I just can't thank you guys enough. Dude, you're uh, from like Simi Valley. Uh, or like no, Anaheim he's from Anaheim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, he was, go for it, buddy. Go for it. It's working for him. But anyway, moving on past the tragedies, let's let's touch on real quick. It is the new year. Uh, real quick question, like fast fast track questions here. What is the cutoff day of, of Happy New Year, Neil? Cutoff day? Uh, the second. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little much. That's a little strict there. Well, it's over. Let's let's not let's not get back into that again. Holidays are John, done. fast track. What day? What's the date? What's the cutoff? The tenth. You know what? I was ding ding ding. I was, Actually, I was right yeah. there too. I was at the Getty yesterday with my mom, and um, someone um, helped us out, took a picture of us together, and said Happy New Year. And I was like, it's a little fucking late for that. <laughs> You're like, it is the 11th, my friend. You're reaching. You're reaching. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question number two, fast track. Uh, Resolutions, Neil. Be a good dad. Oh, how do you top that? Boom. John, anything? I deeply resent New Year's resolutions. (laughs) I am absolutely positive that any New Year's resolution I make, I will not see through. It is just a mockery of my <laughs> lack of discipline. But since you asked, I thought of more time on the stationary bike, you know, the like most cliche yeah. possible thing. Yeah. And more uh, yeah. I should record my own songs more. That's all. You should There you go. That second one's a good one. People need That's to attainable. Go, need to go the other way. Lean into it. What's your resolution? <laughs> Eat more red meat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's like my dad always gives up cantaloupe for Lent. <laughs> um, I, I basically, I, I, I kind of like you, John, are like, there's no way I'm living up to any of this, like the specific one. So I was like, just, and I have weird OCD. So like, I've literally kept up with how much I eat, drink and spend since like 2016. So I'm like, just, I drank and smoked too much last year. So I'm like, just do less, just drink and smoke less this year. It's like, it's not setting the bar too high, but it's like, show some progress. Right. Yeah, show some progress uh, as you enter your 40s. That's that's the goal. But uh, as we enter the rest of this podcast, it's time to in- introduce our guest for the next three uh, uh, episode run, and that is Mr. John Shafransky. John, welcome to Podgate Rock and Roll to you. Welcome. Very happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I know John from college in boston although he did not go to boston university he you went to northeastern yep 
I'll say that a little more confidently uh, the next time. Uh, a past guest of ours, uh, Mr. Jeff Gross, knew John from home back in New Jersey. That's right. Uh, a Jersey man uh, here. Um, one of my least favorite states in the in the in the union. But, uh, it is the greatest state in the <laughs> union. Thank you very much. Well, we'll save that for another another pod. But John, welcome. And John, the first week uh, for our guest, we like to ask a couple of questions. We like to because it's a music centered centered podcast. We like to ask about our guest musical tastes. So give us a quick rundown of what kind of music you you like to listen to. I, as a teenager, got into 60s rock and roll of the most epic obvious choices that you would think the Beatles Bob Dylan the Grateful Dead so leaning toward the 60s hippie idea of rock and roll as I progressed out of that I developed a staunch aversion to 70s (laughs) rock and roll Excess rock? <laughs> Excess rock, the sellout of the 60s. I'm against it all. Oh, I'm against the overproduction of 70s rock. I think the uh, rockist direction as they grow out of the 60s should be to go backwards, search for the roots of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've been doing ever since. Okay. Nice. Okay, nice. I dig it. Answer. Now, the second question is top like two or three shows, live shows you've ever seen go so they're probably all fish concerts <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first fish fan to to be our guest but you are the yeah. first that's going to go all three you're in a safe concerts. place you're in a safe place <laughs> you like fish neil yeah yeah certainly yeah good not a, not a not a not a diehard uh, crazy fan but i do love them yes yeah, good i haven't been in a while i i guess you could say i grew out of it as also, they got worse as yeah. That's what as time went by. They people get old. Yeah, but I, I bring that up at first just to qualify the rest of my answer, which is that I am somewhat of a lazy rock and roll fan, even though music means very much to me. I, I don't go to many concerts, okay. and when I knew you were going to ask me that question, I was thinking about why. And not that this is a good reason, but it's probably somewhat to do with seeing so many fish concerts. (laughs) And what one learns to... Well, and and what you expect from a live show is a lot of innovation, a lot of Mm -hmm. creativity, a lot of improvisation. Like, a real obvious reason why you're at a live show. There's, it's, yeah. it's really clear why you would see fish live instead of listen to a fish album. Yeah, something mm-hmm. spontaneous. Exactly. So in my mind, when I contemplate going to see anyone else live, I kind of just think, well, it's going to be like the album, and, and I don't go. But it's not a good, you know, it's not a good no, excuse. That, that makes sense. I, I actually yeah. fa- find that reason to not go to, lot, to, to a lot of live shows now. I'm like, well, I like the album, but yeah, I don't really I need to be I'm usually recreated. pretty impressed um, how far a lot of bands will go. When I do see people jam out, I'm like, damn, this is like kind of what Fish does, but it's, you know, a very popular band doing a very popular song. And But yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying, too. It's hit or miss in that way. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, John, third question, last question. 
do you do you have any bands that you they don't have to be like new hit new bands that you've heard but like in the last couple of years that you've really like latched onto that you didn't really know before it's not in the last couple years but the last guy who i really liked was father john misty mm-hmm. Uh, okay i really really i put him up at like hero status for the first two albums specifically (laughs) yeah i was about to say this past album (laughs) yeah right he lost me quickly but i just can't say enough about how much i loved the first two albums I really, I really like Father John, and it, I kind of burned out on him quick, though. I know one summer I saw him like four times. He was just at every <laughs> festival or kind of thing I went to. I'm like, Jesus, Father John again? Okay. His sense of humor and, and able to put that on the page is, is really impressive. And to at the same time be profound. The, 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 the sort of uh, step forward that I thought he truly took as far as like rock music goes was he found a way to write rock and roll lyrics that sound like the drunken conversations that intelligent rock fans have late at night yeah, yeah where fair. they're waxing philosophical but being casual and humorous at the same time mm-hmm. it's yeah. it like it's like it's like meta ironic hipster authenticity at the same oh. time it's it's kind of what I feel like Donovan tried to do. <laughs> uh, and on that note, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> you're listening to Podgate Rock and Roll to you, and uh, we are talking about Jeff Beck and Mi- Mickey Most and Donovan because this week we are talking about Hurdy Gurdy Man from Donovan's 1968 album, The Hurdy Gurdy Man, written by Donovan and produced by <laughs> Mickey Most. And released on Pi. Well, it's been on my list for a while, and uh, I just named my son Donovan. Not necessarily after Mr. Donovan, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what better time than now? Let's celebrate Donovan. This song, it's it's dark and ridiculous, but I really love it. Like it's it's somehow menacing and comforting at the same time. It it kind of makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but it freaks you out a little bit. And it kind of has like a childlike quality to it. You know, it's it's kind of almost nursery rhymey a little bit. I think that um, goes to it. Like but Hans, like the the big green Hans Christian Andersen book, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, in German yeah. nursery rhymey. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but it's it's kind of meditative. Um, I really like the guitar playing. And uh, it's just kind of a sweet psychedelic groove. Um, yeah. And I, I, I would say, uh, I've al- I, I would love to say that, uh, you know, this has always been one of my favorites, but it really was Zodiac that brought this to my full attention. Um, I thought it was just a great use of uh, song and cinema. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's a freaky song. I think the Roly Poly Man freaks me out a little more. Like, yeah, Hurdy Gurdy I mean, Man it, rocks, but who the fuck is his buddy over there? The manifestation right. of a Roly Poly Man would be <laughs> right. Yeah, would be a, a something to behold. You're so you're gonna call out the movie of Zodiac and and just ignore the Dumb and Dumber Butthole Surfers <laughs> version? Come on, Neil. Well, uh, I ignored it on my cover listen, so I might as well. <laughs> well, I I don't have much of a history with this song. It's never stuck with me or been a song that like I go back to ever. I do like Donovan. <laughs> I, Season of the Witch is, is a great song, uh, and, I, and, and Mellow Yellow has always just been something that I've loved my entire life, uh, because I also used to enjoy Mellow Yellow as a kid, or as we call it in the South, 
Malayella. Uh, but I don't. <laughs> but and I also don't mind the uh, what is it? Sunshine Superman. Yeah. But like, I almost find this song to be like a lesser version of Season of the Witch. I don't know which one came first, but I feel like that's like a better version of what the vibe he's got going here. Uh, Mm-hmm. Although the musical vibe here is great, I, I do like the production and the instrument instrumentally, everything is is on fire. The guitar, the bass, the tempura, the Indian thing uh, instrument he's playing, and the mm-hmm. drums are just fantastic. But I just can't the the like haunting Sandman hippie vibe, like the vocal and the lyric are bringing to the song. It pulls me out of there. So it's a little dated, and overall, it's just fine. So I will step in and stick up for exactly the sort of absurd hippie 60s grandiosity that you were, you know, shitting on taking issue with. Yeah, exactly. Well, like I, that's I said I was a devotee of 60s rock and roll mm-hmm. and uh I was very happy with this pick because it's to my mind such a good example of like what was cool about the 60s and what I mean by that is that I'm not going to say that this song is really great or anything like that, but it's good just for being of the moment of the 60s. It was a time when the a lifting tide, what's the lifting tide raises all boats? Mm-hmm, what's mm-hmm, the uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Republican Something tax rising, phrase? Rising. Exactly. Rising tide lifts all boats. So... Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a little silly in the sort of epic scope that it's going for, but why not? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's fun. From that vantage point, yes. And I didn't even really know what Hurdy Gurdy, like, I, I I, was like, did he make up Hurdy Gurdy? But Hurdy Gurdy is a 16th century, like, yeah, it's a wild instrument. instrument. It's a freaky instrument. Right. <laughs> which is not apparently on the track. No, right? which is weird. No. But, uh, right. No. And, and a hurdy-gurdy man is a, like, chronicler or, or, or a bard who kind of back then would play that instrument and tell the stories. I don't know if it's, like, a comedian musician in one. But... Right, like a jester, minstrel, pied piper, archetypal yes. type figure. Yes. Yes, because I, when I was looking at covers, which we'll discuss later, it, there's a Louis Armstrong yeah. song by yeah. the same name that has nothing to do with this song. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. about a hurdy-gurdy man. Yeah. And Josh, yeah, Season of the Witch is great, but it doesn't haunt me like this one does. This one just sticks with me. You know, I, I also don't think it's an amazing song, but the, the, the way it does stay with you, I think, is great. You know? Yeah. And, and I guess he's probably substituting the tempura, which is an Indian <laughs> instrument that Her- George Harrison gave him when they were in India with, when he was tambora? in India with the Beatles. Tambora or tempura? Tan, tan, tempura. <laughs> like, not, not Richie Sambora, not shrimp tempura. Sorry. I've been watching a lot of Bobby Fly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, a, it's like a long, thin string plucking instrument. I mean, that's what yeah. the first kind of that you think is an electric guitar that comes in. The wham. Oh, that's yeah. what that is. Huh. That's fucking great. It's not an electric guitar. Are now, the... I didn't know this about this song, but instrumentally, this song is very important because according to Donovan, who kind of sounds like he was really full of himself... Um, <laughs> This create like this gave Jimmy Page the sound that he that he needed to develop Led Zeppelin because Donovan's on, on 
yeah, I couldn't singing believe, and playing like, the tempura. And, Alan, well, there's kind of debate. Alan Holdsworth and maybe Jimmy Page are doing the electric guitars. Mm -hmm. John mm -hmm. Paul Jones arranged this and is yeah. playing bass. And yeah. Clam Catini is playing drums, although some people try to say Bonham was. But yeah, but and you can also, hear the, the drum rolls are so Bonham throughout yeah. the song. Right? And it's crazy. He wrote this when he was in India with the Beatles. Yes. And George Harrison helped with it. Like, I had no idea there was so much history and, like, rock power that went into this yeah. song. It's crazy. And there's a verse that Harrison wrote for the song that he left out because they told him to keep it. Because the song's only three minutes. And I guess back mm -hmm. then there was a pretty strict, this was before, like, a Rolling Stone. And they were like, you can lose the guitar solo and have this verse or lose the verse. And he was like, lose the verse probably yeah, that, because that was... then he'd have to pay Harrison some Well, it was a good money. decision. The jam is great. When I was reading the lyrics, it said that at live performances, he sings extra verses in which he says the Beatles yeah. were hurdy-gurdy men. <laughs> they were our the, the contemporary bards of the 60s, maybe. Not only that, they brought you to a place beyond anxiety, beyond uh, verbal thought. They brought you into the dreamscape. Connected. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Which That's okay. Right. So so let's just dive into the lyric real quick. I mean, he does. He makes no bones about it immediately in that first verse, which is very tight and very well written. Mm -hmm. you, this is a song like this is a song that takes place in the dream world, right? Yeah. Yeah. Except that he says he opened his eyes mm -hmm. to take and a peek. saw that. <laughs> That's right. So it's like, what is reality? Because. It's is he said it's yes, it seems like it's taking place within a dream, but then he says he's waking up and seeing this vision. Yes, okay, so yes, there is, there's murky there. I personally like to take it as you're waking up into a yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, sure, sure. And I think the best two lines of the song are the end of that first the verse to find where that he I was by says, the sea. See gazing with tran tranquility. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think that's I mean, lyrically, the song isn't, a, there's not a lot there. It's that. And then the second verse, I think he tries to, he, he probably thinks it more, it's more profound than it actually is. But Well, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, th I mean, I, I agree, Josh, but I think some of the best part is just the way he just uses hurdy-gurdy over and over again rhythmically and just kind of what he's doing with that and, and somehow it makes it work. You know what I mean? It's just, a, it's a lot of hurdies and a lot of gurdies. Well, yeah, he's doing something we talk about often, and we'll just kind of move into the melody from here. He, he, they, he has a great melody here. I mean, if you look at the structure of it, it's descending in the, in the verses. It's ascending in, mm -hmm. the, um, mm -hmm. in the chorus. So it's kind of like You can feel that, too, when you're listening this to This gentle it. hill in like a dreamy mm -hmm. hill or floating and going up and down kind of softly. And, and he does play that to, to great effect with the... And it's almost like a little bit of a shout out to what he's doing, or I like to think so, because I think the lyric is just kind of ridiculous. But at the beginning, when he's just humming, the, mm -hmm. he's like, this melody's so good, I could fucking hum this mm -hmm. and get you into it. Doesn't really matter what I say, but let's just go. I mean, it's also setting the stage for the dreamscape. <laughs> well, but. and it's it's just so great because I could picture him and George Harrison like just jamming out, like, yeah, man, hurdy gurdy 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 gurdy. <laughs> Just, just over and over, almost doing their like fucking uh, Zen mantra. Just hurdy gurdy 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 hurdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's today's mantra. <laughs> 
It is um, interesting the way he goes back and forth with the hurdy-gurdies and sometimes repeats Gertie. Yes. Mm-hmm. He said, right. He has to, like, quicken a hurdy at the end to fit in two Gerties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose was a purposeful move, well, which is strange and, then, and makes uh, it, like, hard to remember. Yeah. But. One of them is only the hurdy-gerd. The one where he's, like, changes to the... Hoodie goody, hoodie goody, hoodie goody, hoodie goody good. Right, which, by the way, makes him actually sound like he's saying my favorite philosopher, Heidegger. Oh, maybe. Uh, oh, my God, he probably was. Wow, yeah. I mean, these guys, I mean, you got to remember, these guys are in their 20s. They're mm-hmm. writing lyrics like, oh, my God, dude, we, we know what the meaning um, of life but, is now. And it's exactly. Do you think the Hurdy Gurdy Man was bringing Songs of Love? This song just creeps me out so much. I don't think this ends well. <laughs> I, I don't think this is. I see. I t- my take on that part of it is this is a song about the creative process. So it doesn't haunt me at all. It's like where do these thoughts and these visions and stuff like? How do you get a song like? Where do they come from? I, I almost think he's trying to enter that world of subconscious, like finding mm-hmm. uh, yeah, where these yeah, visions come yeah. from. And the hurdy gurdy man and roly poly man are like two of the <laughs> yeah. characters. Like muses. That, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. And they're at the bottom of your subconscious when you can mm. get down there. Yeah. If you can find the hurdy gurdy, you gotta. You're onto something. What do you call that? Is that REM sleep? I don't know. I don't. I just keep hearing REM sleep. I don't. I don't know. Lucid dreams. One of the two. I guess. Yeah. Well, there's another line in that verse that's not in the song that says something like, "After thousands of years of sleep is when you meet the hurdy gurdy man," oh. which is, of course, very Hindu George influenced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you'd need to get huh. far, far from your conscious mind. It makes it even more before deep you got and crazy. to crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Or what is it, Rapunzel? Yeah. Then we're getting back into fairy tales, Neil. <laughs> uh, although that may be Disney, I, I actually can't remember if that's Disney or just I a think classic Rapunzel's fairy old. tale. It's old German fairy tale. We're gonna, we're gonna go with old German. That's what we like to. That's what we like to champion here on this pod. Old Germans. Uh, <laughs> Rapunzel. Okay. <laughs> but I agree with you, Josh. I think the reason that it sounds sort of haunting is because he was trying to get. Like a Lord of the Rings uh-huh. medieval. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, which hippies were also into the Lord of the Rings <laughs> at the time, just because it's, it's Tolkien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but which is a perfect segue back into the music a little bit, because he, he like to say this is the beginning. Uh, he created, I don't know, Celtic rock or Celtic rock. Yeah. I, we like to say Celtic over here because it's the name of a basketball team, but I'm pretty sure it's Celtic. You're supposed to say Celtic. But... <laughs> <laughs> the, the Boston Celtic, Celtic Cel- the Celtics should actually be the Boston Celtics. Uh, we should yeah, change yeah. that. We should start a petition Celtics. to change that. The Boston Celtics. That's not gonna work. But and, and it, it really is. It's crazy how when when I listen to this, I, n- I never put it together that like this is very similar to some of like the the what the Beatles were doing mm-hmm. on the White Album and and what George was kind of getting into. But there is like the drums and the bass and the electric oh, yeah. are have nothing to do with that hippie kind of rock. It, it yeah, is something do. that's yeah. Well, well, well the maybe this kind of started it a little bit, but it's. I mean, I see it as very psychedelic rock. Like it's. Yes, the guitars. Yes, the drums. I, I don't know. Maybe this was one of the first times it was doing, but just the amount of rolls. I mean, they almost could take away from the song nah. a little bit. The amount of drum rolls, but they all they work really well with that 
descending melody and like how you're going up and down and it just it's so anticipatory and like it lets every time they come back around take off again like you know it's just it really drives it along it's really nice um and the guitar work i really dig because it's it's not like face melting stuff but it's no. the kind of 60s rock where you could tell they weren't like trying to string riffs together. They were like actually like really feeling the, you know, so it's not perfect, but you could, it feels just right. Yes. There is a vibe that that is creating that is, it's just strictly, and that would yeah. be like if, if you were in a room and you were like, all right, let's just jam on this real, for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I want to rip over this for toes. like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they found like the five minutes where you were just where it came down yep. and was chilling a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, this is gonna be the mm-hmm. this is gonna be the solo section. <laughs> but but it it is maybe when I said it was way different from kind of the the psychedelic rock, it is just it feels a little more rocking. I'm not talking about like Hendrix mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's a different beast, but like it just seems more rocking than like other shit that that sounds like like even like tommy james and the chandelles which which yeah we, yeah we've talked about before on here and stuff like that it, there's just something there's a little bit more of a and i guess maybe this goes to your menacing mm-hmm. quality because that bass line is just i mean that's really driving and with the drums creates like almost like a harder rock sound yeah and i think there's the, there's a, like a a drone in there too you know that's uh t- there's a lot of bass there's a lot of low end yeah, that's that's, J, that's JPJ. Mm-hmm. He did he he arranged the song, which is just crazy, and it makes a lot of sense when you listen to it. And if you're also a fan of Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. JPJ stands for John Paul Jones. Oh, did and you brought <laughs> up you brought up <laughs> Hendrix? Did you read that he, apparently he wanted Hendrix to do this song even before he did it? It's like that's great, but who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Well, he also wanted him to play on it, and uh-huh. Hendrix wasn't available. Mm-hmm. But he also originally, that's what I'm saying, when you read about this song, it's, it's he has weird. so many stories about this yeah. fucking song. It's yeah. just like, Donovan was just trying to create myths. Yeah, good. Uh, good for him. Similar. He was trying to get his Dylan on and create oh, some personality. But it, Which brings me a little bit to, but he, he originally wrote it for his buddy, Mac McLeod, in a band called the Hurdy Gurdy Band. Yeah, yeah. But I guess there were, and he was just going to produce it, and then there were creative differences, blah, blah, blah. But... That gets me to his vocal, which is probably, like, it's too cute. It's just too, like, I'm mm. trying to do something here. Well. Like, every it feels like everything else naturally creates a vibe. Even the lyric, even if whether I like it or not. The vocal is just very, I, I'm doing this. And then going into is there something like else. A, is there, like, a tremolo effect on his I vocal feel, or something? Yeah, I don't know if he's doing it. Or it's a, I, yes. it has to be an effect. Or do you think he's going, absolutely hey? a, a tremolo effect? <laughs> well, but it's just that first verse. Yeah, yeah, because that'd the be rest tough. of it that'd is tough to pull off. Is not like you could the herdigerdigerdiger. But it, you know, it's just very kind but, of deadpan. Yeah, and like, look at me. I don't think it's too much like that. I think a dreams. lot of the covers are. I think he's very, you know, like some of it may get a little close, but then. When it gets into the main chorus, it's very kind of just like almost monotone. Hoodie goody, hoodie goody. I, whenever you're drawing me, like the listener into but, 
what he hey look at me over here like but how would you sing this seriously like Fair point. Just like hard. Do you want him to be hardcore? Fair point. I look, I'm not saying that's not what he should have done. That's just, I'm just saying like, you know, cause it does fit with the, with the overall vibe and the ambience of the song. It's yeah, just, yeah. I don't like no, it. Yeah. It's basically. cute. It's cute. I get it. <laughs> it's cute. All right. Well, uh, moving into the production for a minute, as we mentioned uh, at the beginning, Mickey most producer of this Mickey most Neil, we've done a song of his before yes. uh, house of the rising sun. Um, he also worked mm-hmm. with Herman, Herman's Hermits. Uh, Something Tells Me I'm Into Something Good. He worked with Jeff Beck, did a couple of his albums, and he worked with Donovan on a lot of Donovan's albums. And and you can really tell, like, I mean, you're talking Beck, John Paul Jones, Donovan, uh, if Jimmy Page was involved, which he was in a lot of sessions that most produced. It, it, it's just a fine, well-oiled machine because there, there is mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on and none of it steps on anything and... It's, yeah, and it has a live quality to it, you know. Yes, absolutely. Which which is tough to pull off sometimes, especially if it's so layered. There's so much going on, but it sounds like they're all playing it live. And just like one of my favorite parts was just the, the decision that first bend on the change, just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like the, all those howling, like moaning guitars. Well, just or just coming in, tempura, Neil, ton, tempura, tempura, okay, tempura, tempura, tempura. Sorry. Okay. it's great how they lead in with the hum and then it's almost like an acoustic and him singing and you're like okay like woo hippie drum circle and it's like do 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 wow <laughs> you're like oh shit uh-huh. didn't know we were going there and then they keep mm-hmm. that level up through the mm-hmm. rest of the song which is which is yeah that i'm glad they did such a big jam there because I, I didn't i didn't want more verses you know, I wanted the big jam come back in with a little hurdy gurdy and let's let's call come it. back in with a little hurdy <laughs> and rolly you don't need more verses because the yeah. it it the 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 verses that there are set the mood and the scene that you're supposed to be living within for the song and the music is supposed to take you there. So yeah, and it, and it does mm-hmm. it does a good job of that. So I mean, just with what they set out to do or what he set out to do, I mean, it is you you it's inarguably uh, successful. Yeah, I mean, it, it hit number four on the U.S. charts and number five in the U.K., which is just like. I mean, it's not mind blowing to think of a song like this hitting, getting that high on like charts. But back then, it was it was regular. Um, I think that there was an eternal quality to that time that was good, in which um, rock and roll was new. The production was always good. I'm I'm so glad to hear who you said that producer also he he did. Who did you say Herman's Hermits and who uh, Herman's Hermits, that? the Animals, Jeff Beck, the, yeah, mm-hmm. House of the Rising Sun. The yeah. production of that song is amazing. Uh, yeah. Just the 60s production quality, like you said, it sounds so live. The drum sounds fantastic. The guitar sounds fantastic. The, the, the whole idea of rock and roll in the beginning was kids thinking they know the meaning of life yeah. and um, just diving in and going for it and, and discussing these ideas in their own sophomoric ways um, <laughs> that, that, that previously to rock and roll had only been discussed in uh, stuffy academic rooms uh, was now out on the street. It, it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Bring it to the masses, it. baby. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Donovan is a character who 
would have made much different music, I would venture to say, if he was around in a different decade than the 60s. He, he's sort of a uh, smart guy. Yeah. Knew his, knew his craft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Knew, yeah. knew all the right things to say. But if you're concerned with, like, realness and the X factor, <laughs> you kind of sense yeah, it's yeah. not, you know it's yeah. not there. M- Mellow Yellow is the most profound great. song. Yeah. Mellow <laughs> yeah, Yellow yeah. is great. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I was even surprised he was with the Beatles on their, like, three-month fucking epic journey. I was like, wow, he made the fucking guest list there? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, he was a big he was a big hit back then. I mean, you know, a lot of people know him now just from the Dylan fucking uh, oh putting his hand in his face in that... Uh, Is that Don't Look Back? Don't Look Back, yeah. yeah. When Donald's uh, well, like, hey, listen to this. And Dylan's like, listen to this, motherfucker. Yeah, oh my God. He shaved <laughs> it so uh, hard with It's All Over. <laughs> Baby Blue, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. over now. Uh, Love Minus Zero, No Limit, too. He plays that in that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Donovan's yeah. just sitting over there in the corner. Don- like, Donovan, Donovan is put up as the stooge of that entire movie, basically. It, it's like... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He represents mediocrity, sort of, in, in that movie. But anyway, uh, a couple fun facts about, about this song. A lot of people say that it's it's he got the melody from a song called Green Circles by the Small Faces, um, mm. which I listened to, but and and no, that song it's, came it's out similar. a couple years before, and he was friends with them, so who knows? Also, the Beastie Boys song Car Thief samples the first hmm. intro drum roll uh, because Donovan's daughter was married to Adam Horowitz from wow. Beastie Boys. Yeah. So fun facts. fun facts there and, and, <laughs> and moving, keeping the fun going, we're now going to enter the vibe time portion of this pod. And John, we like to get, let our guests bring us into the vibe time portion of this pod. So John, bring us into vibe time in three, two, one. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm putting my palms together at my third eye right now. Uh, That's a good vibe time. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Neil, when specifically do you want to hear Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan? Well, um, I think it's an alone song. It's a tough one to like groove out, man. If, like just put on Hurdy Gurdy Man and be like, yeah, dude, this is fucking awesome. Um, so, yes. It's an alone song, kind of on a uh, overcast day, and I um I plan to freak my son out with it one day as well. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. <laughs> you you conniving motherfucker. All right. I want to hear this when I'm at a party, like late night. It's been a fun night, and folks don't want to end the night, so they pull out you know bag of mushrooms. It is Los Angeles. People do that. <laughs> Start eating mushrooms, and not so much LSD anymore. Uh, but if that was the case as well. And then someone puts this on, and they're like, Let, let's go, guys. And then I'm like, that's my cue to go home. <laughs> that's my that's cue. That's my cue to leave. It's <laughs> closing time, baby. It's your anti-mama told me not to come. That's it when is you my, stay at the party. Yes, exactly. <laughs> nice. All right, it's your, your cue. Yeah, your answer did give me my vision, which is um, it's, it's a nice summer afternoon. And it's like an early or, or early spring. It's one of the first nice days of the year. And I'm walking mm. through a park and I see some people having a picnic. Ah. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of 
again, <laughs> I sound like such a old hippie, which I'm not, but like it reminds me of a nice scene in the 60s, and I want to hear okay. that song at that moment. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So speaking of old hippies, I think that's our cue to slide under the influence here and talk about the influence of this song. John, we'll, we'll, well, actually, I'll start us off with this one. We've talked about how this just takes you to the 60s, and of that time, you know, I guess what it led to was Led Zeppelin. If you ask Donovan, this was the creation of, <laughs> of Led Zeppelin. Uh, oh, but, but, you know, I, I think, you know, moving forward, if I could, like, just tick off two bands of the last, like, of this century, you can hear this in somebody like Tame Impala or a mm-hmm, band like mm-hmm. the Black Angels. You know, kind of psychedelic rock, but not like full bore. Still got a little, you know, there's still some kick ass in there. Although that may not apply to Tame Impala, but definitely Black Angels. John, what about you? Uh, anything this sounds like, what it was influenced by moving forward, anything? What it was influenced by, my surmise is that it was Donovan's Mr. Tambourine Man, is what I think. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that literally the hurdy-gurdy man is his yeah. Mr. Tambourine Man. Those two oh, characters yeah, yeah. are the characters who pull one into the dream world. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. I dig that. Neil, what you got? Well, um, it reminds me of a couple things, and I'll stick with Dylan. It's funny. I find it's almost like the counter melody on Lay, Lady, Lay. Like, Shit. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. It kind of sounds like Lay Lady Lay. Um, the the sheer '60s jam nature of the um, the rocking part sounds a little bit like, uh, with a little help from my friends, just kind of like the bam, like almost the chord changes. Um, yeah, kind of gives it that sound. Yeah, it does remind me of Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Certainly. Um, and I think even like the Pied Piper and just kind of old like. Just that time, the the hurdy gurdy instrument, and just kind of like old fairy tale kind of things. It yeah. was um me googling what came first, first Puff the Magic Dragon or this was probably pretty funny to watch. Like, oh, what's it gonna be? Well, it was Puff spe- the Magic Dragon. But this was right? way sixty three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of googling Puff the Magic Dragon, now it's time to slide under the covers, boys. John, I okay. I, I, I hope yeah. you'll join us under the covers uh, this evening for uh, as we discuss the covers of this song. John, did you listen to any covers of this? Song? I did. I listened to that Eartha Kit that you sent. It was phenomenal. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I may like that one overall more than I like. Me Eartha. too. Me too. It's mm. it's mm. great. Yeah. She keeps the guitars. No she, yeah. Her voice is almost more rooted than his is. I actually, wow, better. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it that much. I mean, I, I thought it was cool. It, there wasn't many good ones, so that definitely sticks out as one of the better <laughs> ones. Um, I did like the Sir Jude version. <laughs> once you get past the first verse where it's like too quiet, once it kicks in, they, they take that melody and, and almost make it a little more pretty. Yeah, it was fine. And then beyond that, I mean... I saw Sting, and uh, that was a disappointing, weird song. He did some song called Hurdy Gurdy Man. That is not, not the this. same song as this. No, I listened to that, a, too, terrible. and I was like, Jesus Christ, Sting. I definitely checked out the Louis Armstrong. And um, <laughs> and this other one, Steve Village, live at Glastonbury. Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool, man. It was a very, even more psychedelic version. And I thought I heard George sing a verse, but it, that may have just been... 
I didn't. In I didn't, your dreams. I didn't get. Uh, huh? I didn't get two sources on that. John, did you? <laughs> John, did you hear any more? Um, no, I couldn't find any. I was looking for them. I'll, I'm gonna listen to them now that you just mentioned them. But I, I would say don't listen to Butthole Surfers. It's that they, they keep the it's tremolo effect through the entire song. Like they're like, it's not good, yeah. and it has I, a I very alt. Much of it. It has a very like alt '90s instrument feel. It's not great. There was one by Antia Tam with a couple of other people, like a lot of vocalists chime in, and that one was very good. It's a little more folksy. Uh, I would say that that one's worth a listen. And the L.A. Guns kind of give it like a, oh, no, no, a no, '80s no. L.A. rock feel no, that's no. not advisable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is that Eartha Kitt's cover. I liked it a lot, even though it did not have... It was stripped of all the psychedelia yeah. and the um, sort of 60s Well, they kept the vine. guitar sound, not not that okay, specific right. sound, but right. it had that, that fuzz quality, that old... Yeah, but I, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel the hippie feel. It wasn't like, oh, I'm in the 60s. It was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. It and didn't like, feel like some, a drug mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Right. It, it, like, there's just more of a... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels mm-hmm. like there's more of a foundation. Like, whereas his voice is kind of floating... Hers is kind of on the and ground. And her band mm-hmm. was great. Her band was yeah. like a, you know, soul band or an R&B band, an old yeah. 50s band. Yeah. And you know what we like to talk about when we talk about the 50s and souls? Shoes. <laughs> souls. So, so, so that brings us to the uh, shoe fitting portion of this podcast. Uh, Neil, it's your song. How do the shoes fit? Well, they fit great. But unfortunately, they're like those Renaissance curly-toed shoes. <laughs> <laughs> they're not comfortable they're, they're, to walk in. They'd be great at a Renaissance fair, or <laughs> if you were dressing up as a clown on some kid's birthday. I guess. <laughs> John, what about you? How does the shoe? How does the shoe fit for Hardy Gardy Man? Sort of like Neil, I was sort of thinking of the time period, but I was picturing more of those Roman sandals with the straps that go all uh, the way okay. up your leg, oh, right? Okay. Ah, yeah. that's a first. Right, Those have never yeah. been used here before. Nice, John. nice. <laughs> nice. Ancient, similar yes. vein, John, but similar, only lightly similar. I, these Peacock. fit like an old pair of flip flops that, like, I use st- solely to go to like the steam room when I'm at the gym. You have so many different ways to fucking describe. Yeah, it's a, it insults the song. <laughs> but like, but then like the, I, I use them only in the steam room until like the anchor between my big toe and what is that? Your index toe, pry it loose. And then I toss it in the gym trash can. Like, oh God, it, <laughs> Jesus! Josh says that this song is a precious little flip flop. It was it was useful once, and I understand why it was useful and and why it was ne- necessary. But then it's time to move on uh, after a certain in the garbage <laughs> and toss it in the gym. The gym garbage, even worse. Uh. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, on that note, our cover of Donovan's "Hurdy Gurdy Man." Throwing like a star in my vast sleep I opened my eyes to take a peek To find that I was by the sea Gazing with tranquility Twas then when the hurdy-gurdy man Came singing songs of love Then when the hurdy-gurdy man 
came singing songs of love. Hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy gurdy, he sang. Hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy gurdy, he sang. Histories of ages past, unenlightened shadows cast down through all eternity. The crying of humanity is in when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thank you for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple or iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week, it's your week, Josh. What are we going to do? We are going to discuss the Nilsson classic without you. Can't wait! <laughs>